0: This is The Blueprint, brought to you by Executive Platforms. Well, hello again, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Executive Platforms Blueprint podcast series. My name is Jeff Mix. I'm head of content and research. My guest today is Pranav Padgonkar. Uh, He is the vice president of supply chain and procurement with GEP, And uh, he actually made the joke as we were getting ready for this interview. He says, you know, it's it's lucky you're speaking to me. Everybody else we brought out as a salesperson. And we're going to have a conversation today about improving visibility, collaboration, and resiliency uh, as supply chains converge. I think this is going to be a great conversation. Pranav, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Just before we get too far into things, I would love for you to give us a a quick overview of GEP. Uh, I know your organization has a really interesting story.
1: Sure. So GEP is a 22-year-old privately held company and we are into supply chain and procurement that is all we do so it is a laser focus on just that space which means then that we have a very deep expertise in this space we like to believe that we do everything there is to do in supply chain and procurement we've been growing at 20 to 30 percent year on year for over this period so there's a lot of offerings so what we like to do is if a CPO or a CSCO comes to us We like to believe that we can solve whichever problem they come to us with, whether it is technology or services in-house through our expertise, solve it for them.
0: Now, I know you've been having a lot of conversations with uh, senior supply chain executives here. What are some of the current issues or challenges they're bringing to you?
1: So the current issue or the top of mind issue still remains supply chain resiliency. But I think that has been the case for the last two to three years now. And I think now we are getting into a bit of the nuance as supply chain practitioners have spent a year trying to build resiliency into their supply chain. We are getting to the next level of what are really the enablers? What are we going to do to get to that resilient supply chain? And I think those are the conversations that are happening now.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the logical conclusion there is what does lead to a resilient supply chain?
1: Yeah, so what we have found from our experience over the last two uh, two or three years now uh, is that there are three dimensions and then there's a hidden fourth. So uh, the three dimensions, I would say, which are fairly commonly known as visibility, agility, and collaboration. So these dimensions, fairly well known, but then how to implement them has been the challenge. And we believe there is a fourth hidden dimension, which is more of the organizational alignment, because what we have seen, we did a survey of top executives earlier this year as well, showed the same thing that top management in supply chain throughout is saying resilience is our number one goal. Middle management is still focused on cost savings. And why is that is because their organizational incentives did not change. They are still being incentivized to save cost, but they are being told from the top to build resilience. That is creating a conflict. I think that alignment is the fourth dimension, which will then enable all the others to actually get implemented on the ground.
0: Now, I've had a lot of conversations about supply chain resiliency, and one of the things that I've always thought is, you know, it sounds like a lot of work. And I know in our current economy, it's not like people are hiring enormous staffs, headcount isn't going up. Mm-hmm. You know, how are you able to uh, deliver on some of these things?
1: Yeah, I think that is a very, very common conversation we get. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, we used to get the conversation of, we are in procurement, now we are suddenly in supply risk but we had a procurement day job. What do we do with that? Now we get the uh, question of how do we build long-term resilience while we are focused on the day-to-day supply chain operations. So that dichotomy still exists. And as you said, headcount is not going up. And that is where there are more and more innovative solutions, offerings, ways of working that are emerging, you know, necessity being the mother of invention here. So a couple of such examples that we've, co-developed, I would say, with our clients is entire supply-side outsourcing, uh, what we call a buy-sell model. That is where we take an entire supply-side, certain components, maybe the tail spend or some part of the supply chain, and we say, okay, let us manage all of this for you, whether it is finding the supplier, sourcing the components, getting them into inventory, figuring out how much inventory, and getting it to the manufacturing location at the right time, the right amount. So all of that we can completely offload so that the client organization can then use their limited resources to focus where it matters on their core supply chain. So that is a model that simply did not exist pre-pandemic, but it is now becoming increasingly prevalent. Similarly, there are technology interventions which are very spot, very minute spot automations, which are get, getting um, you know two or three FTE worth of bandwidth back for the organization to deploy elsewhere. I think these innovations are all you know coming out through the pandemic and it's a good thing. It's going to be a long-term um, step change in innovation for the supply chain.
0: So, I mean, those are two great concepts and I'd love to explore each one in turn. Um, first of all, when you're talking about outsourcing a, a piece of the supply chain, basically GEP becoming an extra team, mm-hmm. an extra division. Yeah. Walk me through how that works um, let's imagine I am uh, a medium-sized retailing organization, and you know e-commerce is taking off, and I'm just feeling like I don't have a big enough team to do everything that has happened since customers decided they wanted everything delivered the next day. H- how can I lean on an organization like GEP to help me out?
1: Sure, and I think that actually happened. <laughs> so, uh, so in that case, right, mid-sized retailer, there is a lot of transactions and a lot of churn in your inventory and as as we discussed earlier we need to find that bandwidth for your team so suppose there is this suppose on your direct side the merchandise and all of that you have it covered but that is sucking up all your bandwidth so look at the rest of your supply chain management your warehouses need mro parts and you know things like that which maybe you consider the that as your non core so look at that entire piece and say okay There is a lot of sourcing involved to get these parts and find the suppliers. Then there is a lot of work involved in planning, forecasting what is going to be needed, when, how much. Then there is inventory, then there is the logistics. So all these are typically separate teams. And in each team, say 20% of your overall team's bandwidth is getting consumed in this non-core area. You decide this whole chunk we want to move out so that the 80% bandwidth of the team can really expand. They can breathe easy. So that entire chunk you could outsource and say, GP, you handle this. So your input to us in that case would be your demand forecast from the sales side. How many products are you going to sell? How What is that demand translating into in terms of production? Now, we will take that. We will create the detailed supply plan. We will find the suppliers. We will get the inventory in place. We will handle the <clears throat> purchasing transactions. We will handle the detailed uh, activity plans for the day. We will work with your 3PL or 4PL to coordinate and manage your warehouse and the physical stocking of the inventory. In the end, we just make sure whatever you gave us as a plan, we make sure we deliver the raw materials and other components on the right place in the right amount and you know just work seamlessly.
0: I mean, that sounds like an amazing service. And I, I think a lot of supply chain executives would certainly be interested in that. What is the timeline for a thing like that? Like how long does it take to get that up and running?
1: Uh, So the timeline for that can vary and uh, maybe I can use another example also because you said like a mid-sized retailer Right where we are taking a sliver of your supply chain and outsourcing it the processes and everything is already in place Right, so that uh, can happen much faster um, You know in a matter of a month or two, but if you look at the other side of the um, like suppose you are a Electric vehicle startup, right and you don't even have a supply chain set up but you want you know, someone like a GEP to uh, offload that for you and ramp and scale with you as you go through an explosive growth. Now in that case, if you were to try to do that internally, it's going to be a lot of investment of effort more than, you know, more than just the money to find the right talent, get it up, invest in the right technology, deploy the technology. It can take months to years and people like you know, EV startups don't have that time. So there, it is more about crunching that entire timeline and saying, here's a bolt-on supply chain, in effect, for you. right?" So in that case, obviously, it takes longer than a month or two, but then it is way shorter than what it would take to do it, including technology deployments internally.
0: I mean, I feel like I could talk about this one all day, but I do also remember there was um, technology solutions, and I want to explore those as well. You mentioned that they tend to focus on very specific things could you expand upon that
1: yeah so i can take an example so i think collaboration has been one of the uh, you know one of the things that everyone focuses on to build resilience without just talking up inventory just let's just collaborate with our suppliers if we know what inventory they have then that way we don't need to pile up inventory but the collaboration breaks because all dimensions of collaboration don't happen through a system right there's a lot of technology solutions which say you know we offer collaboration with your suppliers as part of the suite but if they uh, offer po collaboration you send an order you get it delivered maybe they don't order they don't give you capacity collaboration where you know you need to know what the supplier's capacity is or maybe they don't give you quality collaboration where if the supplier's failure rate has just gone up you need to know so if all those things start happening outside the system via email and over excel sheets then the core of the collaboration also tends to gravitate and move away from the system. Now you suddenly have a big manual process where instead of one person, there's three people doing collaboration um, work with the supplier. So getting more and more of those dimensions and we've identified six so far, six dimensions of collaboration, but getting all of them into the system, one stop shop can really help facilitate this kind of collaboration. Now that will really free up the bandwidth that is going into a manual process. So these are the spot interventions I'm talking about. It's not any buzzword big, uh, you know, hairy technology that got implemented, but it is a spot implementation, which really frees
0: up the bandwidth quickly. Now, whenever I, you know, get into technology solutions, I do want to talk about the people part of this, because of course there's someone whose job is about to change when, when this mm-hmm. tool comes in. Walk me through the user experience, walk me through how that person's day to day might shift. Um, and we'll use the specific example of a a collaboration tool. I appreciate you probably have a few different options, but the, the collaboration tool specifically.
1: Yeah, so again, previously, as I said, if the person was working in the system on two dimensions, on issuing orders and seeing when the order is going to come, but then they were switching from that system to email and doing two other dimensions of collaboration, then they were switching to some other mode, picking up the phone and calling the supplier for the last dimension of collaboration. Now, that is somewhat chaotic and also extremely time consuming as opposed to that if we do a proper study of the user experience the persona that is there and what are all the dimensions they need to collaborate on bring all of them together into a one-stop shop in one system then you know that interaction is a lot smoother for that person instead of a three-person team you could have a one-person team and they could do it more effectively now, this not only frees up bandwidth, as we discussed earlier, but it also increases the the employee's own experience of how much collaboration they are achieving and their job satisfaction coming out of that. So that is what we see as the real uh, benefit, the effectiveness, not just the FTE reduction.
0: And why don't we talk about timelines for that one as well? Because, again, you're really coming to understand what that person does in order to empower them to do more and, and better. So what does the rollout for that look like?
1: Yeah, so the, these solutions now are becoming more closer to out of the box. So it's not like for every uh, client organization we'll have to go and study there or shadow their uh, collaboration team. Uh, it is all these dimensions if they are built into the system. It is an out of the box implementation, weeks rather than months, as the trend has been that multi-year deployments is just not a thing anymore. But now months collaborate uh, collapsing into weeks is more the target. So doing that and giving it out of the box and then tweaking it to what is um, you know most efficient is probably more the way to go. So it's not like a several months to a year deployment, deploy a, a minimum viable product and then customize it along the way.
0: You know, I think these are two great services, but we are focusing on uh, some specific offerings from a company that really, as you say, twenty-two years always in this space. I have to think when we're talking about uh, resiliency in supply chain, some of this has to come from a structural place. Some of this has to be the design mm-hmm. of the entire system. Um, can you speak to that for us?
1: Sure, sure. And we've seen a lot of uptake, um, increased uptake over the last three years uh, in the structural design of supply chains as well. Some of it forced by the pandemic and all the other disruptions that happened, nearshoring, all those trends coming together. But the uh, the core Uh, Offering underneath is just the supply chain design the network optimization and network structuring So all these offerings are increasingly getting traction But the only difference is pre pandemic you would do a supply chain network optimization to reduce your cost Now people are doing a supply chain network optimization for resilience How do we optimize our supply chain so that we have redundancy without adding cost? But it's not a cost reduction play anymore it is a reduction-addition play. So that is a different flavor for us, and we've evolved uh, along with our clients' demands in that space. But yes, there is a lot of network restructuring happening right now, and we've built our own tools to make sure we can optimize it and run scenarios and reduce the manufacturing footprint or the increase the distribution footprint if the time to delivery is more important. Do all of that. And that, I think, is, is another uh, structural change which will lead to long-term resilience.
0: You know, we have covered a lot of ground already in this, and I feel like I could talk to you for another 20 or 30 minutes, but uh, I do want to let you get back to the event. Um, if you could summarize, you know, a couple of key takeaways you want people to think about a little further, uh, what would you suggest they think about?
1: Sure. So I think uh, it is a framing of mind uh, that, or a reframing of mind that they do. When the pandemic started, on when some of these disruptions started, the the Mindset was oh, here's another set of constraints now. We have to work within right as we are two years three years into it And disruption is new normal. I think there is a Reframing that is required to say now we are operating under no constraints Because now you know management understands that supply chain needs a redesign management understands there investments are required and there are new offerings innovative solutions coming onto the floor so it's almost like you have a second uh, chance to redevelop your supply chain. And almost, I would encourage people to think without constraints rather than with additional constraints. And then see, you know, you know there are companies like GEP who do everything there is to do in supply chain. If there's any pain point that you have, uh, providers can come in and solve it for you, but you can really relook at your entire supply chain and rebuild it, ground up, this time for resilience. And, you know, that's going to be an unconstrained growth for supply chain. So that is really how I would like people to think about uh, what they do with their supply chains.
0: I mean, just speaking with you, I can see where you're coming from, where you say GEP, 22 years in this space, probably can speak to just about every issue in supply chain, procurement, sourcing. Um, For the organizations that may want to ask some questions, pick your brain, what is the best way to get in touch?
1: Sure. So, I mean, we do speak a lot about all these uh, issues. Uh, There's a lot of thought leadership we put out on our website as well as through uh, other publications. But the website is GEP.com. And if uh, specifically the buy, sell, supply chain outsourcing part that we spoke about earlier uh, caught uh, anyone's attention, then that is a partnership. So there's a separate website, uh, Alliant Trade, E-L-I-A-N-T, AlliantTrade.com for that. And then, of course, if they want to reach out personally to me, I am pranav.p at gep.com. Happy to have a conversation and take it forward.
0: Well, I encourage everyone to go to both of those websites if any of this caught your attention. And if you do want to speak to uh, Pranav directly, how wonderful that he made his email address available. I, I really appreciate that. Pranav, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to another episode of Executive Platform's Blueprint Podcast Series. I've been Jeff Mix. Let's do it again soon.